Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Awesome, you got your Bibles tonight? Yes? Got a Bible? Did you manage to bring a Bible? Who uses iPhone, iPads, electronic? Yeah, very good. I do all of these things as well. So you know what? I'm going to hold up my old Amplified. It's got stickers on it because I'm a Jesus freak at heart. We're going to gather around the Word of God. It's my great honor and pleasure to bring a thought that God has put in my spirit. But you know what? Let's hold our Bible. It's the Word of God. And uh, let's commit ourselves Um, to his word tonight. So Father, yet again, on behalf of all of those who will stand on this platform and open the word of God, um, we commit ourselves to you. Father, we say that we love your word. We're thankful and grateful for it. Lord, your word is powerful. It is sharp. Lord, your word promises that if we open our hearts, it shall come forth and it shall not return void, but accomplish what you have purposed. And I love that. So Lord, I humble myself before you and I ask that you would just help me tonight Father, to bring the word and to do it with grace and um, precision, Father, so that your heart for tonight will um, take place. And Lord, we just again humbly commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. Beautiful. All right. So um, for those of you who perhaps don't know, um, each March, Globally, there is a day nominated that is um, International Women's Day. Are you aware of that? Is today, was it yesterday? Yesterday was International Happy Day. Was that today or yesterday? Today is International Happy Day. Go figure that, all right? So you know what? This is a happy zone. (laughs) Choose happy tonight, even if you're not really happy. All right? Cast your cares aside and just lean in. I think that's pretty cool. Well, each March, it's International Women's Day. And usually it falls around, usually it falls right in the vicinity of colour. And this year it was on March the 8th. And so like many around the world, I wrote something um, in context of that and I posted it on social media. And I just want to read it to you tonight as we open up this year's conference, Colour 2014. You're taking notes tonight. Hallelujah. Note-taking is good. It's good to write things down um, on paper. But I wrote the other week, I wrote International Women's Day, a day to pause and consider the value, worth and wonder of every woman, girl and girl child on the earth. No daughter, regardless of age, colour, creed, ethnicity, credential, background or status, is without extreme value. She is not a nameless or faceless commodity to be traded, discarded, or exploited. She is worthy of being heard and respected. She possesses enormous potential, gifting, talent, ability, and capacity, and is created equal in the image and eyes of her Heavenly Father. 
She is beautiful and worthy of protection. Her contribution to life enhances and blesses life. As a woman, as a woman, I am committed to the well-being of my sisters near and far. I will play my part, and by God's grace, I will use whatever influence and platform he has entrusted to champion her value, worth, and contribution to what is life. God said in the beginning, it is not good for man to be alone. I will create and fashion a woman. Hello. In the purest and most noble sense, she was mankind's first and most precious gift, and she remains that most stunning and precious gift. She is not second, before, or behind. She simply is. She simply is. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Do you know what, girls? I believe tonight, again, as I open this conference, I believe in, in essence, those words and the many words that have framed our 18-year journey together. They actually frame this gathering here tonight and our being here this weekend. So you know what? As your host and as your friend tonight, I am excited for what God wants to do in our midst. I am deeply excited. I have great expectation and anticipation, not because of who I am or because of who our church or team are, but because of who God is. And because I believe that this is a mandate and like a um, director from heaven above to create this environment which replicates itself all around the world in many, many contexts outside of our church. And you know what? I'm excited and I want to encourage you as an individual, every single one of you, okay? No one excluded because I know what it's like to sometimes sit in a crowd and think, yeah, she's talking to everyone else but me. No, we are talking to you. The Spirit of God is speaking to you, and I want to encourage you to lift your faith and lift your expectation and believe that God wants to do something profound in your life. You know, sometimes I come into these gatherings, and because we are hosting it and carrying it and executing it, sometimes I forget to have an expectation. Well, you know what? I have an expectation that God is going to speak to me again. I have an expectation that He is going to water and seed new things in my heart and give me greatest perspective. But tonight, I'm here to speak over your lives and to encourage you to have expectation and faith. And I want to say it again. I probably say it every year because it's the truth. God wants to seed things in you. He wants to water things in you. And He wants to harvest things in you. And I believe, I am a great believer that God has created all of us in His image. We are created in the image of God. When redemption becomes our portion, it's like the whole world opens up. But God has put greatness within all of us because we're created in His image. We have purpose and we have mandate upon our lives. There are seeds of greatness within all of us. And you know, it's in environments like this that God often ignites those seeds. They can sit dormant in our lives, but then God ignites them. And then in in environments such as this, God waters them. And you know what? The things that are in our lives, the destiny, the purpose, the calling, it needs to be watered and watered continually. And then I believe God is going to continue to harvest from our lives what He wants to harvest. For as surely as the Lord causes the earth to bring forth its shoots, and as a garden causes that which is sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God... Let me repeat it. So the Lord God is going, to call, is going to cause righteousness, justice, and praise to spring forth before all the nations because of the self-fulfilling power of His Word. Now, if His Word goes into us, 
Something powerful is going to come forth. More than we could ever hope or imagine. Do you believe that? And so allow him to do it. Allow him to do it. Hallelujah. You know what? As a church, this year, we entered the year with... um, with language that, you know, um, I mean, we always do. Like many of you in your churches, we start a new year and we have what is is called Vision Sunday. And, um, you know, I'm sure many of you do also. And so the language we enter the year with was pioneer again. You know, it wasn't just some little catchphrase that we pulled out of the air. It was something that was brewing in my husband's spirit, in my spirit, and many of our team. Because there's a maturity kind of on this place now amongst so many of those who carry the weight of the house. And it's like, it's like the Spirit of God like downloads it in all of us. And it's so affirming and confirming. It's wonderful. And so we enter the year with this language of pioneer again. My husband also um, declared over our church a new church that he sees. So 20-something years ago, he said our church was young and it looked nothing like it looks like. And he sat in his office and I I believe um, compelled by the Spirit of God, he wrote and he scribed the church that he sees. And it ended up being quite a prophetic declaration. Our church looked nothing like what he wrote. But 20 years on, in many ways, that is the church that we have. And so last year, you know, a true shepherd and leader that he is, he felt compelled to write yet again, to write not just the church that I see, but the church that I now see. And, you know, because he's generous, not only did he write it, but he invited many of our core and key team to actually be in that process. And so together, he wrote a new, um, bodacious, that's probably not the right word, but it's bold and it's a kingdom declaration of the church that he now sees. Amen. And I'm not just talking about Hillsong Church. I'm just talking about it's like a kingdom statement. So we entered, I'm telling you far too much detail. Praise the Lord. It's a trait of mine. (laughs) Sorry, praise the Lord. Um, Yeah, so we enter the year with the church that I now see and the sense of pioneer again. And of course, we're not pioneering anything like profoundly new. There's nothing new under the sun. But you know what? On a 30-year foundation, for, because our church and our house is 30 years old now, we celebrated that last October, you know, we're just seeking to, we just see it as a foundation and we're just launching from that into the great unknown of what God wants and we're prepared to pioneer again, to pioneer truth and, you know, God's word into wherever he wants it. And you know what? I believe that as women, I believe that as women, okay, as followers of Jesus Christ who just happen to be women, hello, that we have full permission to be front and center of his will. And we have full permission to be at the forefront of what it means to pioneer again. So don't be sitting on your laurels and don't be settling down because you know what? The days are far too exciting for that. I am 57. For a split second, I thought our life was sort of settling down. And then lo and behold, my husband gets a second wind. He turns 60 years of age. And look, you know, here we go again. So you know what? Hallelujah. So we're going for it. And you may as well all come, amen, because it's exciting. (laughs) But seriously, these are exciting days. And in my journal, I forgot to actually include it tonight and bring it up here. Anyway, that aside, I have a journal. I'm not the best at journaling, but I'm getting better at it. 
But um, on the 1st of December um, last year, keeping in mind all of this was swirling in our hearts and our minds, and it, it falls into context of colour also, so that's why I'm sharing it with you. I wrote in my journal these words. I wrote, December 1, what we are pioneering into are the harvest fields of the world. That's what we're pioneering into. The harvest fields. What's in front of us? Do, do we as a church need to become more whiz-bang at stuff? No, we're not pioneering into that. We are pioneering into the harvest fields of the world, as are all of us. And then in my journal, I asked myself a question. I wrote this literally. Are we, are we, are we going to open the door, lay out the welcome mat, and let them enter into his sheer grace with all their mess, their confusion, their complexity, and their lifestyle. Come on, girls, are we going to do that? You know what? The harvest fields of the world can sound so romantic, but in essence, are we going to be the church of Jesus Christ on the earth? Are we going to be counted with those who throw wide the door, who lay out the welcome mat, seriously, who welcome them in through that door with all their mess, with all their complexity, with all their lifestyle? Are we going to welcome them into the sheer grace of God? Do you know what? I really hope that we are. And in my journal, I answered my own question on the 1st of December, and I said, here's the answer. Answer equals yes. <laughs> By the grace of God, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That's the kind of like um, company of believers I want to be a part of. Those who allow the world to enter. My husband preached a profound message somewhere in the last few months, talking about the fact that Jesus crossed every divide of humanity. Every divide that separated, he crossed. And you know what? Are we going to be the same? Because I'm telling you, the world out there, it's getting darker, it's getting uglier, it's getting more dirty, it's becoming more evil, it's not pretty, it's messy. But are we, are we going to be the kind of church who again throws open the door and lets them walk into the sheer grace of God? We can't save them, we can't change them, nothing. We can just welcome them in and say, you know what? Here, come, come encounter the beautiful sheer grace of our God. He will love you. He will reveal all. He will change you if need be. We don't even have the right to say to people, really, come to Jesus and, you, and you'll be changed. Like, when I got saved, I didn't even know I needed to be changed. I got saved on a Sunday night. I went to church the next morning in the bike shed. A girl who knew had gone to church and was a bit sus looked at me, and I just looked at her and went, I haven't changed. I didn't know that I had changed. I hadn't lived long enough to know that I was changed and that I was different. We've got to let the sheer grace of God do the work that only the sheer grace of God can do. Is that not right? So tonight, again, as I open this conference, I just want to share some thoughts with you, a thought really, one thought that um, I shared with our girls earlier in the year. And when I did so, I kind of had this feeling that it wasn't for them alone. So some of my girls have heard this thought and message, but you can just lean in again, amen? If you've got your Bibles, why don't you open it to the book of Jude? Okay, I'm going to read to you from the message, and it's pretty powerful. So this is how the book of Jude ends. So the book of Jude, as many of you know, is the last book before the book of Revelation. So it's quite positioned quite interestingly at <laughs> the end. So we should pay attention. So this is how it ends. I'm reading from the message paraphrase. 
Verse 18, it says, In the last days, in the last days, there will be people who don't take these things seriously anymore. They'll treat them like a joke and make a religion of their own whims and lusts. These are the ones who split churches thinking only of themselves. There's nothing to them, no sign of the Spirit. I want to pause there for a moment. Pretty profound verses. In the last days, there were people who don't take these things seriously anymore. What? They don't take the things of God seriously anymore. They make a joke of them. And then it goes on and it says, there's nothing to them, no sign of the Spirit. Okay, girlfriends of the earth, for a moment here, I just want to say something. I do not want to be counted with that lot. All right? I don't want to be counted with them. I want to be counted with them, with those of whom it says there is every sign of the Spirit. They may be a little bit funny and weird and talk about strange things in hotel revolving doors. But you know what? There is every evidence of the Spirit of God upon their lives. It goes on, verse 20. But you, dear friends, but you, dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in this most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Carefully build yourselves up. You know, this weekend, my prayer is that each of us will carefully build ourselves up in our most holy faith. Hallelujah. Staying, verse 21, staying right at the center of God's love. I love that. Keeping your arms um, open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of our master, Jesus Christ. This is the unending life, the real life. Beautiful. Verse 22, it goes on and it says, So, Go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. Go after those who take the wrong way. Be tender with sinners, but not soft on sin. The sin itself stinks to high heaven. Do you know what? I'm praying that in these latter days, like I just said before, that you know what? The churches that we are a part of, that we contribute to, that we'll be churches that know how to go easy on those who hesitate on the faith. Do you know what? It's hard these days sometimes. People who are coming in from the world, do you know what? They just don't get it maybe like we just got it because they're coming out of such a mess and complexity. And you know what? We have a mandate to go easy on them, to like help them, help them if they hesitate, help them be part of the answer. Go after those who go the wrong way, it says, and be tender on sinners. Not on the sin itself, it stinks to high heaven, but be tender on sinners. You know, I feel, I don't know if I should rightly say say this, forgive me, Lord, if it's wrong to say this, but seriously, I see a divide coming in his church on the earth. I see a whole camp of believers who profess to be believers, but they're harsh and they are judgmental. You know, they're like, they're the haters on Instagram, the super spiritual people who make judgment on everything without any idea of what they're saying. And then there is this church that isn't compromising. It's not compromising conviction or faith or truth. But you know what? There is a revelation of the grace of God. There's a revelation of kindness. And it's like, but, but for the grace of God, where would any of us be? Well, I want to be amongst those kind of people. Verse 24, it says, And now to him who can keep you on your feet. See, I love that. Standing tall in his bright presence, fresh and celebrating. Verse 25, to our one God, our only Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Master, be glory, majesty, strength, and rule before all time and now and to the very end of time. Yes. You've got to love the message, don't you? It's raw and it's beautiful. 
I love that. And so I love that thought of God wanting to keep us on our feet, standing tall in his bright presence, you know, fresh and celebrating through all time. Even when you're 57 years of age, standing tall, fresh and celebrating in his great love. I love that. Okay, that's how the book of Jude ends. This is how the book of Jude begins. It says in verse 1, I, Jude, am a slave to Jesus Christ and a brother to James, writing to those loved by God the Father, called and kept safe by Jesus Christ. I love that one who, who um, professed to be a slave, a love slave, a love slave to the Lord Jesus Christ, one who said he was indeed a brother, stands there and declares that he is writing these words to those who are loved by God the Father, called and kept saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what? There isn't a one of us in the room tonight who isn't loved by God, who isn't called and who doesn't have the capacity to be kept saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. It goes on verse 2 and it says, So, therefore, relax. Everything's going to be all right. Rest. Everything's coming together. Open your hearts. Love is on the way. In many of the other translations, it reads like this. Those words, love is on the way, reads as, may mercy, peace, love be multiplied to you. Love it. Then it goes on and it exhorts us to fight with all you have. To fight with all you have. The context is the latter days. The context is the church of Jesus Christ as the Lord would have it. And then he says, so fight. Fight with all you have for this faith entrusted to us as a gift to guard and to cherish. A gift, I believe, it goes on and it says, that is centered in the sheer grace of God. So fight. Fight for this faith entrusted to us as a gift to guard and to cherish a gift that is centered in the sheer grace of God again. I love the days in which we are living. And you know what? Tonight, girls, I'm bringing a simple thought to you. And I want to camp around those words, love is on the way. You know, I love those words. And many, there are many times when um, I have shared them with you from this platform because I think they're beautiful. So I just want to camp. You can see it on the screen. Obviously, love is on the way. And tonight I want to speak those words into you. I want to speak them to you in a, in a manner that is personal because I actually believe that it's all personal. The gospel is personal. Relationship with Jesus Christ is personal. So I want to speak this, these words over your life in a manner that is personal to you because there's no end of situation, circumstance, complexity, heartbreak, grief, all sorts of things happening in this room tonight. So tonight the message is personal, and then I also want to speak it to you in a manner that speaks to your, you know, kingdom heart, your warrior, princess, daughter, be the change, radical follower of Jesus Christ, world changer, heart. Is that okay? <laughs> Is that okay? Talk to me. Because absolutely, because I tell you what, when our heart is within his heart, it will always attach itself to kingdom purpose. So when our heart leans into his heart, of course we're going to have a heart for the earth. Of course we're going to have a heart for others. Do you believe that? Is your heart within his heart? I hope it is. I love that. You know, for me personally, those words in Jude, you know, um, you know relax, everything's going to be all right. Rest, everything's coming together. Though I read those um, words personally um, 
at the beginning of the year in January, I read them in my own personal devotions in a manner that was personal to me. But it was a few weeks later when we were in California, USA, that um, those, that phrase, love is on the way, kind of resonated with new light. God um, illuminated it in a greater way, and it's in that light tonight that I want to share. Do you know what, girls? Sometimes in life we can think of those words, love is on the way, They're at the, they are on the screen. We can think of those words, love is on the way, in a manner that is like in rescue mode. Would anyone agree? Like we go, love is on the way, or, you know, um, help is on the way. Or maybe you've been in a situation where you're under duress or circumstance and you need God to help you. Has anyone ever been in a situation where you've been like crying out to God to help you, pleading with God to help you? Talk to me, girls. Anyone in the room, have you ever been on your knees and God, God, please, I need you to help me. I need you to send help. Well, oftentimes we can think of lovers on the way in that context. Again, like, you know, um, you know, uh, help is on the way, or, you know, the cavalry is on the way. Da -da -da -da. Everyone do that. Okay, like cavalry's on the way. And, you know, the truth is, that is how God operates. God is a God who loves us. God is a God who sent his son to rescue us. He dispatched love to us, correct? John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. You know, it is spoken of him, he is, it's said of him that he's like the hound of heaven. So he does pursue us and he does come to us and he does seek to rescue us. Love can come to us. But tonight, I just want to simply flip our thinking and look at it, look at it in a different way. I want to flip our thinking and suggest to you that everything that love is, everything that love represents, everything that love could possibly be is actually on the way. It is actually on the way, on the path, on the road forward. Of course, it comes to us, but you know what? It's as we keep walking, as we keep moving, as we choose to not sit down or lie down or be discouraged or despondent or defeated or whatever or conquered. It is as we pick ourselves up and keep walking that we actually encounter. Because here in Jude, yes, it is the message, you know, paraphrase, but it says, you know what? Love is on the way. And as I said, I got a revelation of this. It's as we walk forward, as we keep moving forward, that we encounter and we collide with everything that love represents. Love's rescue, love's goodness, love's kindness, love's wisdom as we keep walking that road, love's provision and peace, love's weaponry. There's times and seasons in life where, you know what, there are stretches of the road and stretches of the journey where we need to be empowered with certain weaponry to actually fight that season. We don't have to fight in every season of life, but there are enemies and there are obstacles. And sometimes, you know, we're just going to keep walking. And as we walk, we don't need weaponry right now. But as we walk into the season, we suddenly realize that we need something. And I want to say to you tonight, that love is on the way. And again, as we keep pressing into him, we discover these wonderful things. Yes? Totally. Do you know what? If there's um, one thing that we can learn from the Apostle Paul's life, it is that of pressing on. I mean, seriously, the man had every reason to sit down and give up. But he pressed on. I love what it says in Philippians 3.14. He said, I press on. 
beaten, attacked. I mean, seriously. He says, I press on. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There is a road. There is a path. Our lives are like a journey. Our lives are like a pilgrimage. And you know what? As we keep walking and entering his goodness, his way, his spirit, we encounter what we need from him. Amen? So let me just share a story. I'm in... um, We're in Mammoth, California in January. And as I mentioned just a little bit before. So did we not have a great summer? Did we have a great summer? All the Aussie chicks in the room. We have had a long, hot summer. So like many Australians, we had a beautiful um, summer break. We went to um, the beach up north. And then um, as a family, we had um, made a plan to go to California to take the grandchildren, the children to Disneyland. So we planned this like 12 months out. We gave it as a gift last Christmas to the family. We have um, four granddaughters who are all little, all under five. And we have two grandsons now who are six months old. And so um, that was something good that happened this year. We got two grandbaby boys within three days of each other. How cool is that? I know. I one birthed in New York and then one birthed in Sydney and they came within three days of each other. So I left a maternity hospital in New York City and I got on a plane and I flew and I landed Tuesday morning and I went to another maternity hospital. Two baby boys. How good is that? My cup runneth over indeed. <laughs> so we, last 12 months ago, we gave the children, the family, this um, trip to this promise of a trip to Disneyland. And it takes 12 months to organize our family to all be in one place at one time. And so I don't know what I was thinking. Can you imagine four little girls being told they're going to Disneyland in one year's time? <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Um, in my uh, madness, I made, I got them all costumes, it was so fun, this beautiful letter that, you know, we all had to read at the same time because we're going to Disneyland, and then I made the little girls' calendars, 365 days. (laughs) What was I thinking? It's like, guess what, you're going to Disneyland in 365 sleeps. (laughs) I just got excited, and my daughter-in-law's like, "Uh, Grammy, we're just going to put those calendars away. And we're not going to talk about Disneyland until we're closer to the event. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> we got there and uh, we had two days with Ben and Lucy and we just went up to this place called Mammoth, which is an hour's flight. It's a ski field. There wasn't a lot of snow, but there was a little bit. And so we were up there and it's around the 18th of January. Okay, so we just had two nights there. It was lovely just to spend time with the kids. And uh, so it's, it's, it's the 18th of January. I'm, I'm great. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm not pressured. I'm not stressed about anything. I'm just happy. Hallelujah. And um, it's now 2 a.m. And I'm awake on a mountain in Mammoth where I don't really know where that is. And I'm anxious in my heart for some reason. I'm just anxious. And you know what? To be honest, I haven't been anxious for a long time. 
I purposed that I was going to enter the year not fretful about this gathering and this event. I purposed that I wouldn't. We set ourselves up to win so that we thought we were so on the page. And hallelujah, um, <laughs> they're laughing over there. We were so on the page in December and so off the page like about two weeks ago. But anyway, that aside, so I had no reason to feel anxious. But here I am lying in my bed at 2 a.m. and I'm feeling anxious and I couldn't sleep. And um, I felt God quicken those verses in Jude to me. Remember, I said to you that I had read them in my devotions in January and I just, earlier, and I just felt God quicken them to me. So I'm lying in my bed, those verses um, are quickened again, you know, love is on the way, relax, rest, everything's going to be all right. And um, it's like as I lay there in the darkness, God spoke to me again. And he spoke and he just opened my mind and my understanding for me personally about these, these words. And as I lay there, it was like God said, Bobby, so I'm lying in the darkness. I'm anxious. I don't know what I'm anxious about. I'm thinking I'm anxious about the conference subconsciously. And he goes, Bobby, in the darkness, Brian was dead to the world. <laughs> bless, uh, bless our husbands. Amen. And he goes, I felt the Lord said, Bobby, anxious. Do you think, Spirit of God, do you think that I don't wait for you in your future? Do you think, in the darkness of the night, do you think, Bobby, that I don't wait for you in your February, your March, your April, your May, your June? Now, I'm lying there not knowing the future. I'm lying there thinking I'm anxious about executing this. I'm thinking February. Here's the Lord saying, do you think I'm not in your February? You know, February for us is like a busy time in church life, as for many of you. So much happening, so much planning, so much needs to be executed. You know, March is like a busy time because conference comes and, you know, for you it's here and gone, but for me it's like Groundhog Day around the world, you know, and you sort of travel it around the world. March and April is like executing it in other fields, and you know, there's challenges and wonder to that. And, and then there's sort of April and May, and you're still sort of on that journey, and then you sort of land back in to June. And then for us, it's like church life, it's always church life, but you know, June, it's like Hillsong Conference is bearing down. I love saying this, it's bearing like it's bearing down like a baby in a birth canal, and you have to deliver and execute again. And so, there's a lot of components to the month. And I'm lying there and I feel the Spirit of God say, Do you, Bobby, do you not know that I wait for you in your February, your March, your April, your May, your June? You know what? June, he stopped because I got it. <laughs> and if he hadn't, he would have gone, Your July, your August, your September. Do you hear what I'm saying? was amazing. And it's like, I have loved those verses forever. I have loved the thought that God is in our past, our present, our future. Come on, we've all preached it. God is in our past, he is in our present, and he is in our future. We know that, but it was like I saw it with greater revelation. You know what, girls? Sometimes we can... Um, we can fall into the trap of thinking that we have to um, um, beg or pray for everything that we need. It's like, God, I need you. 
turn up, help me, you know? We, do, we just think that we have to beg and pray for everything that we need. And I actually do believe that there is a place for prayer and petition. I really do, but prayer and petition is not begging God to help you. It is not begging God for His sheer grace because His sheer grace has been given. I think prayer and petition is more about us getting authoritative in God, getting the Word of God in us, understanding our um, authority in Him and pushing back the darkness and pushing back the obstacles and speaking to the mountain and declaring this and making a way for grace and, um, and, and answers to come. However... I really do believe, again, that it is in the walking. It is in the walking. as It is in pressing in into that, that February, that March, that April, that May, whatever, what, regardless. It is in the walking that we discover our supply and our provision and our miracle in Jesus' name. So I'm here tonight with just a simple thought to encourage you to keep walking and to keep pressing on and to keep those cute little um, legs moving and to keep entering into His his word and into his spirit and into his ways in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? You know, Jesus Christ said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. I love that. He had me at that. You know, they say he had me at hello. Well, he did. He had me at hello. And then when I heard that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, I was like, perfect. If he's the truth, then he is the way. If he is the truth, he is life. I was there. It took, it wasn't rocket science to me, it was a revelation in my spirit. So tonight I want you to imagine with me, if you can, I want you to imagine with me for a second this Jesus who might be on this road, this road that represents your life. I want you to imagine him. Can you imagine him up there in front of you? This is your God. This is the God who came from heaven to earth and said, you know what, sweetheart, follow me. Pretty much our responsibility in life as followers of Christ is to follow him. You know, regardless of what's going, we pick ourselves up like all the legends of old who had all sorts of drama happen and they followed him on that pathway. Well, I want you tonight to use your God-given imagination and imagine your beautiful Jesus, your personal saviour, Jesus Christ, on that road ahead in front of you. I want you to imagine his face. Can you imagine his face? Can anyone, can you do that? I love to imagine. I've never seen Jesus personally. Have you? Anyone seen him personally? I mean, I haven't. There might be someone in here and you've had a vision and you've, you've seen his beautiful face. I mean, I haven't, and yet I, I feel like I know him. I feel like I can picture him on that road. I feel like I can capture the essence of his great love toward me. So if you're having trouble imagining him tonight, I want you to um, imagine, uh, do you remember two years ago, um, I, I put a picture up on the screens of that beautiful portrait by that little girl, Akiana, who had visions of heaven. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Beautiful. He was gorgeous. He had beautiful eyes. Do you remember that? Everyone says that Jesus has beautiful eyes. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? It's like, an, are, are the eyes not the window of the soul? His soul is so beautiful. Why would his eyes not be beautiful? Every book I've ever read about heaven says his eyes are so beautiful. So can you maybe, maybe if you're having trouble imagining, imagine that face of Jesus. Yeah? Is it working for you? <laughs> or maybe, um, did you all see that, um, that series called the Bible series? Yes, someone up there did. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. Hands up if you saw that amazing series about, wasn't it great? Wasn't it great that it showed on secular Aussie television on a Tuesday night? Amazing. Jesus must be coming back soon. That's all I can say. <laughs> amazing. Well, you know what? Okay, the actor in that, he's beautiful. Do you not think he's beautiful? Did you, did you not think he was cast beautifully in that role? I think he was. I do realize that he probably doesn't look like that in real life, Jesus. But you know what? Nevertheless, just go with the, go with the moment. I was telling the girls how um, Brian and I got... I've got to hurry. Brian and Roma down... No, not Brian and Roma down here. They're not a couple. Um, <laughs> I was telling our girls how Brian and I had the awesome privilege of having a meal with Roma Downey and Mark Burnett, all right, who were the producers of that and who are producing the, a, a, a spin-off film, well, not really a spin-off, but a, a full-feature film called The Son of God. So that'll be coming shortly to theatres, which is even more wonderful. And so we were having dinner at, um, at their home or lunch one Sunday um, a while back last year, and... Um, we were just talking about the series and it was wonderful and this actor and at one point she says to me, come into the dining room, I want to show you all these posters. Which posters shall I choose? What poster would be an awesome billboard in Australia when we show the series? So she had five shots that they were all amazing. Like one of them had Jesus with um, the crown of thorns on his head and like stunning. And then there were these other ones and I'm like, this is beautiful, but everybody expects that of Jesus. Like Australia expects a Jesus with a um, crown of thorns on his head. But this one, this one with that face, what, what, is, what is with that face? That face is amazing. I'm like, Roma, where did you find this actor? There is just something about his face that is spectacular. Like he just exudes something of the kindness and the beauty of what I imagine Christ to be like. And so she goes, well, that's an interesting story, Bobby. Do you want to hear it? Do you want to hear it, girls? Okay, some of you have heard it, some of you haven't. Okay, she goes, well, we were two weeks out from um, shooting, filming the um, Bible series, two weeks out from production. And she says, and I hadn't found Jesus. I hadn't cast Jesus. And I'm like, oh, wow. I'm so, like, naive to this whole world. I'm like, oh. And uh, she goes, yeah, two weeks. I was starting to panic. And so I'm like, okay. And then she's like, so she gets this phone call from a, an agent who says, I think I might have an actor for you. I think he's Portuguese. Um, I'm going to send him over to the house. And she's like, okay, send him over. So Mark's upstairs, not really paying attention to anything. And she says, out through the drive, the window, she looks and she sees this actor walking up the driveway. And she's like, Mark, 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 come down here quickly. Jesus is about to walk through the door. <laughs> Isn't that the best story ever? I love that story. I love telling that story. It's so cool. I'm like, oh. I was like, really? He is beautiful. Look at him. <laughs> it was so much fun. I kept saying to her, Roma, I kept telling her on Instagram, Roma, come to Australia, bring Jesus. Come to Australia, bring Jesus. But anyway, and if he had of, he could have stood up here as a prop. <laughs> No. <laughs> anyway, so I want you to, have you got a Jesus, have you got someone who looks like Jesus in your mind? All right, because this is the whole point of this whole exercise. All right, so can you imagine, can you imagine Jesus up in front of you in your life, your beautiful life? Is he just, is he just walking, girls? Is he just walking in a manner that, I'm sure he doesn't do that, but um, is he just, 
like here he is, okay, and he, he's on the road, and is he just like, is he just like walking in a manner that kind of bids follow? He's just up in front of you. Is he just walking in a manner, not even having to look at you, just saying follow, follow me? Because again, that's what we've been commanded to do, right? Or is he kind of like, or is he kind of up in front, and is he kind of like just like looking over his shoulder at you? Can you imagine him on that road? Can you imagine? Can you imagine the legion of angels that he has at his beck and call for you? Seriously. When he was when he was brutally murdered on that cross, they didn't take his life. He laid his life down. He said, no one takes my life. I lay my life down. And at any given point, he could have called a legion of angels. He could have called the host of heaven to rescue him. And he looks at you. Do we realize that at his beck and call are a host of angels for you? As you draw near to him, can you sense his calming presence? Can you sense his peace? As you get near to him, come on, girlfriend. We're just going to keep walking. We've got to keep moving. Because how could we not draw near to this God and not feel his presence and feel his safety and feel his wonder? You know, is he holding anything in his hand for you? Is he holding something on that road, that path, that pilgrimage? Is he holding something? Is he holding a weapon for you? Something, a sword, something that he knows that you're going to need for this next part of this journey? Is he holding a lantern, a light, word, wisdom? Is he holding something? You know what? It's like, come on, come on. Take this from me. Take this. Is he holding pages from the book? Not literally torn out, but pages in the book. And he's standing up here and he's saying, come on. Come on, sweetheart. Follow me. Come on. You know what? Okay, listen. There's pages here. There's story in here. There's testimony in here. If you just read these pages, you know what? You're going to find courage and you're going to find strength. Do you believe that? I hope so. Does his, you know, do his nail-scarred hands gently, beautifully, gently take you by the small of the back as you draw near and just, have you ever had a beautiful gentleman, a good man, take you by the small of the back and just gently usher you either alongside or forward? Does he do that to you? Does he quietly slip behind you? On that journey, just sit behind me because he knows that he needs to rear guard you. This is the Jesus we serve. This is the Jesus who came, amen? Let me quickly, oh my gosh, I've lost time, never mind. Let me just quickly read this um, beautiful passage from the New Testament. It tells the story of two women who indeed discovered that their Christ, as I have been trying to paint a lame picture of, had indeed gone ahead of them. Let me read to you from Matthew 28. It says, After the Sabbath, as the first light of the new wheat dawned, how precious and divine is that, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to keep vigil at the tomb. Suddenly the earth reeled and rocked under their feet as God's angel came down from heaven, came right up to where they were standing. He rolled back the stone and then sat on it. Shafts of lightning blazed from him. His garments shimmered snow white. The guards at the tomb were scared to death. They were so frightened they couldn't move. Then the angel spoke to the woman and said, There is nothing to fear here. 
It was a new day. It says, as the first light of the new week dawned. It wasn't just a new, a new day dawning and a new week. It was a new dispensation. Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. He had ushered in a whole new reality. And the angel of the Lord stands there in verse 5 and says, there is nothing to fear here. You know, for you and I, there is nothing to fear when we get a revelation of Christ in us, when we get a revelation of all that He holds, there is nothing to fear. Now, I speak that to my own spirit. There is nothing to fear, Bobby Houston. And I speak it into your heart. Verse 5, it goes on, it says, I know you're looking for Jesus, the one they nailed to the cross. He is not here. He was raised just as He said. Come and look at the place where He was placed. Verse 7, I love this. Now, get on your way. Get on your way. Get on your way quickly and tell the disciples, he is risen from the dead. He is going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. That's the message. Now, get on your way. Get on your way and tell. Tell all. Just get on your way and tell all. Tell the disciples that he's gone ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. That is the message. The women, deep in wonder and full of joy, lost no time in leaving the tomb. They ran to tell the disciples. And then I love this verse 9. It says, Then Jesus met them, stopping them in their tracks, and said, Good morning. They were running down the road of their experience in their life. They were running down the road, as the angel said, and then boom, Jesus is ahead of them, just like he's ahead of us. He's just a few steps in front of us because we're following him. Hallelujah. And he stops them in, this, in their tracks and he says, good morning. I bet you he was dying to say that. I don't think you can say that, but I mean, I think he was like so anxious to say that. <laughs> awesome. They fell to their knees, embraced his feet and worshipped him. Jesus said, girls, you're holding on to me for dear life. Don't be frightened like that. Now go tell my brothers that they are to go to Galilee and I will meet them there. There ain't no place in any of our lives where Jesus doesn't say, and I will meet you there. Bobby, do you not know that I am in your February, your March, your April, your May, your June. It's amazing. You know, in my naivety, I sat there and I was like, Lord, in my bed and that in, in California, I'm like, I'm just thinking, you know what, I'm anxious about executing a conference. I had no idea what lay in our February, what lay in our March. I had no idea as a church what we would entail in these early months of this year. No idea as we laid ground and made a declaration into the heavens about pioneering again, that all hell would break loose. You know, we might be a fancy, beautiful church with a lot of lights and seeming glamour, but you know, at the end of the day, we're actually, all of that is not what it's about. Actually, we're a local church, we're a community of believers, we're a family doing life together, and all sorts of things came against us in February stuff that we didn't have any idea were in our February, but Jesus did. And you know what? His words spoke life to me. Bobby, do you not know that I'm in your February, that I'm in your March? And as we, as a church and as a creative community, especially we lost babies, we lost newborns, we lost babies at 37, 38 weeks. We had disaster. We had a deep disappointment in ministry that broke my heart, broke my heart. And it's like, you know what? I'm lying there. 
do you, Bobby? And you know what? Those words have soothed and calmed. And as our church, as we have chosen not to sit on the ground and like grovel and be disappointed and think it's too hard, pioneering, it sounds so romantic, but you know what? In reality, it sucks. Okay, so you know it's like, no, as our team have risen up and chosen to press on and push on with faith and with like, you know, devotion, we have encountered the love of God and we have encountered strength and empowerment and anointing and grace. This conference really shouldn't have been happening. We had all of you, perfect. We had worship, a given. We had the word, yes, hallelujah. But the rest of it, all the trimmings looked like a nightmare 10 days ago. And by the grace of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God has allowed us to shape something so beautifully in the last week that I believe it's going to be a blessing to you. You know, I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's not about that. I'm talking about more than that. And, you know, so if, if, if love is on the way and if he truly is waiting with everything that we need for what lies within the day or the season or the territory that we are each entering, then surely we should do what Jude says. Surely we should relax. Surely we should rest. Relax. Everything's going to be all right. Rest. Everything's coming together. And I want to challenge and bring that thought tonight as we open this, this conference What do you need to relax about? What do you need to rest in? Do you need to hear the words that I heard in Mammoth, honey? Honey, do you not know that I am in your February, your March, your April? Do you not know that I am in your tomorrow? Do you not know I am in this year, 2014, 2015, 2016? Some of you are so angst over life. You've gotten your cute butt here, but you're angst over life, and you need to relax, because this is what the Word says to us, and Jesus is with us. Amen? So pastorally tonight, I'm going to ask the team to come and join me. I've gone a little bit over, sorry. I'm having a heat wave up here. (laughs) Pastorally tonight... I want to say that everything that you need um, personally is within your personal love affair with Jesus Christ. So cultivate the love affair. It was the love affair that spoke to me at 2 a.m. It was the love affair that spoke to me. Amen? Cultivate your love affair. My other love affair was asleep. (laughs) This love affair spoke to me. You know? Because that love affair didn't know what was in February or March or April or May. But that love affair does. So cultivate the love affair so that we can each continue to be equipped to continue to pioneer into everything that we each need to pioneer into. You know, do you believe that? So that by the grace of God, the God whisper can continue to be heard. So that the God whisper can be heard by the millions who have not yet heard it. Because if we just sit down and we get complacent, they're not going to hear so that the millions of, you know, that, that remain in captivity can actually find freedom. So that the millions of children who have yet to find their freedom, who yet sit in the dust and need to not be in the dust, will actually, um, you know, be ministered to. So that the millions who, you know, need to enter into the sheer grace of God like we have, will actually enter into the sheer grace of God. Do you believe that? Tonight, I bring this thought to you. I pray it will just land in your spirit and resonate and be a reminder of the goodness of God. Amen. 
Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.